Welcome back to The BOMA, a podcast from the International Livestock Research Institute, looking at how sustainable livestock is building better lives in the global south. I'm Annabelle Slater, taking over as host for the third season of The BOMA. And I'd like to start by thanking our presenters for the last season, Brenda Coromina and Elliot Carlton. In today's episode, I'm asking, how much difference can one chicken make to a child's health? Out on the shore of Lake Victoria, Western Kenya, lies Siaya County. It's a quiet, mostly rural place where less than 10% of households have piped water and even fewer have electricity. Most people depend on their own fishing and small-scale farming for work and for food. Siaya might look peaceful, but it has its problems. There's a lot of infectious disease in the region and families don't always have enough to eat. In 2014, a survey found that a quarter of children under five years old were stunted. Stunting means a child is well below the average size for their age. It can be caused by poor nutrition or by infectious diseases. Worse, the effects of stunting continue into adulthood. It holds back a person's cognitive ability, their growth, and causes chronic health issues. So here's the question. How can we improve children's health in places like Siaya? Researchers are looking for answers, and they include Elkana Otiang, a veterinarian working with the Kenya Medical Research Institute. He took me on a trip to Siaya to learn more from four village households. A typical rural household here consists of several buildings for different family members. They're all grouped together loosely on a single plot of land. People here are poor. On average, a family might earn less than $2 a day. They want to feed their children well, but how is this possible if they are lacking money, resources, and access to support? Well, here's one thing that helps. In most rural households, people keep chickens. Around the household, you might see a mother hen hustling her chicks along, or hear a rooster making his presence known. They're a common sight. One farmer, Cynthia Wa-Rebecca, told us more. It helps at times. Maybe you want to do something and you don't have money. You can take one, you sell, then it helps you there. Or maybe you have a, bit of a visitor, you don't have something to eat, you can take one, you eat. A chicken might be small, but it's useful. I asked what people did with the eggs that the chickens lay. Did they sell them? Here's Elkana translating a farmer's answer. So they don't sell chicken? They don't sell eggs. Yeah, they only eat them. For eggs, uh, preparation is the standard way uh, that... Uh, they fry it and have it to be done. A chicken is a bit special. So uh, accompaniment is rice or or, um, or, or uh, chapati. Uh, that is because ugali is staple food, so it's a normal thing. When you do rice or chapati, it's special. Yeah. The ugali mentioned there is a maize porridge. That's the main starchy staple. An egg or a bit of meat makes it special and nutritious. So eggs are valuable food for the household. 
One household said they got between 7 to 15 eggs every two weeks from their 10 hens. So, if we want children to eat better, maybe we should help households gain bigger flocks of chickens. Well, hold that idea. First, you'd need to answer another question. If chickens are so great, why aren't households keeping more chickens anyway? Here's an answer from farmer Joseph Wanyango Otieno. So, is keeping chickens easy? Not very. <laughs> you can expand a bit. Okay. Keeping chicken needs a lot. Mm -hmm. First, they need to be confined, of which I have not confined my chickens. So that's a challenge. They need to be fed. They need to be vaccinated. Or generally, disease control. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much easy. They're just trying. Feed, housing, cost of vaccines. These are just some of the reasons that household flocks here tend to be small. Around 10 chickens on average. But in his research, Elkanah found a bigger reason. Chickens also keep dying because of one particular disease. Dry seasons are part of the year. That's when they lose. And mostly... Uh, what he sees is that they have diarrhea and sometimes they are coughing or they are not able to breathe properly. Here's Zoe Campbell, an Ilri researcher specialising in gender and animal health issues and a member of the study team to explain more. So Newcastle disease is one of the biggest problems for chicken producers. It will kill almost all of your chickens and it does it very quickly and it comes around year after year. So if you talk to if you talk to people even with really small flock sizes, invariably in any chicken study and say, hey, well, you know, what things are most difficult for you in terms of disease or production challenges? Um, for smaller scale folks who don't have a lot of veterinary access, one of the first things I'll talk about is Newcastle disease. Newcastle disease was first found near and named after the city of Newcastle in Northern England. But the disease is found worldwide. It's caused by a virus and infects all sorts of birds. There is a vaccine for Newcastle disease. In fact, there are a few. So if people might have bigger flocks of chickens, if not for Newcastle disease, maybe the next question is this. Why aren't people living in CI County buying the vaccine? So on, on the issues of vaccine, um, what, what, what was our overall understanding initially that there was no um, public awareness about uh, the existence of the vaccine, uh, its benefits, and uh, that um, could, be, uh, could be attributed to the fact that the government, for example, is not giving sufficient extension services. So most of uh, these smallholder farmers are not aware of some of the interventions uh, that could be beneficial uh, to their livestock keeping. Uh, so up to only about 2% within this study site were offering any disease control or husbandry practices uh, to all the livestock that they kept. Uh, that included chicken, cattle, sheep, and goats. Uh, so this vaccine, as much as it does exist, um, pub, uh, awareness is not that very high. But again, uh, there is no bigger incentive of vaccinating 
uh, the rural chicken, considering that they only owned at about 10%, and a number of them, when infection strikes, uh, instead of mortality, which is attributed to death, some people would uh, consume them before they die. So the incentive uh, to vaccinate this chicken is still not um, very high, uh, considering that vaccinating up to 10 chicken would be about $1.5. And um, the, the willingness to buy is actually not um, very well adopted. Well, seeing is believing. Supposing we gave subsidised or free vaccine for Newcastle disease to households here. We'd protect the health of the chickens, which might persuade farmers that vaccination is a good idea. More chickens means more eggs, means better nutrition for children in the household, right? Well, although that's an attractive idea, it's actually really hard to test. The hard part, especially for children's nutrition, is when you want to connect something that you were doing in terms of the household's livestock with children's nutrition. It's hard to measure that because there's a lag in time, right? It takes a lot of time. So say maybe you get more cows today. How long will that take to influence a child's growth? A lot of time, often longer than their studies are. And there are also, there are some negative pathways. So if we think about nutrition, basically it's great for a child to have maybe more access to animal source foods in their house, but sometimes livestock gets sold, right? They're not actually directly being consumed. And then maybe that money might be used to buy food or maybe it might be used to buy something else. So things sort of trickle away. And there's the chance that having more livestock around is not automatically a good thing. And we also know that there are some negative consequences for children in households with livestock. Maybe they're exposed to more pathogens. Maybe a child under five is going to have diarrhea more because they're crawling around in their environment and touching a bunch of fecal material and putting their hands in their mouths as kids do, right? And so that can negatively affect nutrition. So maybe if they're getting sick more, they're not absorbing nutrients as well. All of which means it's not so clear cut that having more chickens will boost children's health. And there isn't much in the way of existing evidence. Elkanna and the team set out to find what would happen. They contacted 500 households in CIA County, and an animal health technician gave chickens in half of the household the Newcastle disease vaccine, while the other half got a placebo. They followed up to see what would happen to flock size, and they measured the height and weight of 700 children from those households, over 18 months. First, what happened to the flock size? We found out with that sample size that there was only an improvement in the number of flocks by one chicken, although that was translating up to 8% overall for flock size, uh, <clears throat> the, the connection didn't appear to be very, very impactful initially. Hmm, just one chicken? These results don't seem big enough to impress the kinds of donors and policymakers who might be able to subsidise Newcastle disease vaccinations. But Elkanah says, let's not forget that this was a new and powerful kind of study, because it adopts the One Health approach. It looks specifically at connections between human and animal health. Uh, so in the previous instances, you'd get clearly studies have been conducted that looked at the impact of interventions on chicken uh, and the productivity of similar aspects. I uh, would get uh, milk supplements being given to children elsewhere 
feed supplements are being given to to others uh, only only supported with counseling uh, but not looking at how their environment how their environment and other interactions also had an impact on the same so so this typically this adopted a one health approach uh, that comprehensively looked at the human and animal health connections. And this intervention has advantages over, say, trying to give villagers larger, more expensive livestock. I asked Elkana what he would say to somebody who was questioning whether the study results were worth it. Well, uh, the income streams for many of these rural communities uh, are not there. Uh, so they obviously need something and something that they already have and they are accustomed to keeping them. So you don't need a lot of behavioral influences to change uh, the attitude. So th those who be asking these questions from elsewhere do not have a very good grasp of how the situation in, in rural uh, communities uh, in Africa look like or in Kenya in particular. So it's important to appreciate um, the, the poverty challenges or the economic challenges that results into poverty here and try to start at the lowest level, a bottom-up kind of a way to improve what does exist at the local level as you are sent upwards. Because here's the thing. Flock size increased by one chicken. And although one chicken might not sound like a lot, an extra bird means extra chicks, or extra meats, or extra eggs. Just one extra egg a week provides around 8 grams of protein, 6 grams of fat, and a bunch of useful micronutrients which can make a lasting difference to a child's growth. And best of all, the researchers proved this. They found boys and girls from households that received the vaccine both ate 24% more high-protein food. This led to them growing taller and gaining more weight. So one chicken can make a huge difference. It's a clear example of how protecting animal health also benefits human health. An intervention like subsidizing a chicken vaccine might seem simple, but consider this. 7.8 million people live in rural Kenyan communities like these. That's a lot of people who could benefit. I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of interest in development type interventions that can be targeted towards more rural and poorer households. And, and I have heard from some donors of these types of development interventions that sometimes they have a hard time trying to figure out how to engage with those kinds of households, right? Maybe it's easier to engage, especially in livestock, with a business or a more commercial entity. So I think the other thing that's exciting is, is it's giving an example of a, a development intervention that can have really, really great impacts and is also catered specifically to what that group of people needs in their chicken production. Zoe also says a key finding is that the results reached both girls and boys. In some other studies in Western Kenya, growth scores for girls are lower than for boys, so or worse, they're having worse growth outcomes. And interestingly, in this study, the benefit was both for girls and boys. So this was one of the analyses that I asked for um, when the team was doing their write-up. So I said, well, let's, let's check. Is it different for girls or boys? Is it possible that maybe boys, as they sometimes are for a variety of different 
cultural reasons or who knows why they're maybe getting preferential access to food or animal source foods, they're growing better um, than girls, their peers in, in Western Kenya. But it looks like this intervention is good for both boys and girls. So that's also pretty exciting to see. And here's a final reflection from Joseph Wanyango Otieno, who we heard from earlier. Is there anything like you learned or you noticed about the chicken after the, the study? Yeah, during that time, at least our chickens were safe. The death rate was low. And again, we got, we were informed the importance of keeping the chicken mm-hmm. around. It helps in nutrition factor. Mm. It also helps food security. Mm. Yes. So those are the things that we learned from the study. Elkana was pleased that farmers had noticed the benefits of the study. I asked him what he would like to see next based on this research. I would love to see an adoption and implementation of vaccination programs uh, for the rural communities within our Ministry of Agriculture. It, it would be nice to see the other diseases incorporated uh, in, in the intervention so that it's just not a single disease condition uh, and see if we could have a bigger impact. So we only picked one disease condition and um, that was Newcastle, uh, which causes mortality or, or flock uh, losses of up to 50% when you talk about infections. But the other 50% are also other significant diseases uh, that affect chicken, including one called infectious basal disease of Gumboro ordinarily, uh, salmonella infections, and fullpox. So, I asked at the beginning whether one chicken could make a difference. I hope you'll agree now that it definitely can. Let's hope that the results of this study can have an influence on government or donors. In the meantime, thanks for joining me on The BOMA. I'd love to hear your feedback on today's episode or the whole podcast series. So please reach out on Twitter at BOMA Podcast and let us know your thoughts, and also what topics you'd like us to cover moving forward. If you enjoyed today's episode, why not leave a rating to help others find the show? And please don't forget to share and subscribe. Catch you next time on The BOMA.